I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is no better group of ones for power, power, and forms of the shrubby potential. This week's podcast is sponsored by Sutton Seeds of Torquay. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some of the latest news, views and a bit of timely advice on all things gardening. Later on, I'll be speaking to Fergus Garrett, the head gardener at world-famous Great Dixter Garden, former home of the late Christopher Lloyd. Meanwhile, oh, the weather continues to be a gardener's dream. A lovely, much-needed rain last week, and now back to blue skies and warm sunshine. Mind you, the nights and north wind is a bit cold, and that old adage, near cast a clout till May is out, rings pretty true. Although I've never known whether this was a May blossom, the hawthorn, or the month of May. Certainly there's plenty of May blossom. I mean, the countryside is just absolutely beautiful. The trees, since the rain, they, they seem to have almost doubled in size and such a lovely, lush green. And for those of us taking a stroll around the streets with our hours or so of exercise, there's certainly plenty of blossom. Uh, this week I saw several uh, unpruned roses uh, pretty well in full flower. That's really remarkably early. I always remember driving up to the uh, Chelsea Flash Show in London and in the suburbs there, the third week in May, would expect to see unpruned roses in flower, but not the first week in May. It's not just the roses. I mean, there's lilac, beautifully flowering, and of course full of fragrance. That really scents the air if it's a bit still and nice and warm. I had a bunch of flowers delivered, and there's a move to have just ordinary garden flowers in bouquets. This bunch had some shoots of purple berberis. Very pretty it was too. It gave a really distinctive look to the uh, arrival. Now what's on the news front? Well, surveys by the Horticultural Trades Association and uh, the magazine Horticulture Week uh, indicate that 25 to 33% of the uh, nursery and horticultural world feel they'll not withstand the disruption in trade. Actually, some of the nurserymen are now getting pretty angry. Uh, they don't see why. Um, the retailing of plants shouldn't continue. There seem to be so many anomalies. Online, the grow-your-own trade is just tremendous. 
Sutton Seeds down in Torquay report 25 times the normal demand. And of course they've got staff shortages and uh, social distancing problems to cope with. Uh, so they've had a really tough time. Gardeners have been pretty patient over deliveries, thank goodness. And it sounds as if um, a number of the mail order companies are now catching up a bit. One or two of the garden centres and retail nurseries are preparing to open. They've uh, had enough. Hartwell Nurseries at Aylesbury and Bucks, for example, uh, they stopped doing online and deliveries, ready to open up on the 6th of May, with Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9.30 to 11 for high-risk elderly and NHS customers. I'll be interested to hear how that goes. I was uh, sad to hear that Tricia Cox, nay Sherard, has died aged 86. Tricia was uh, founder and owner of Glendoyck Garden Centre with her husband Peter Cox. Uh, they were one of the pioneers in the garden centre world starting in 1973 and of course the family specialist in uh, rhododendrons. If you want to know anything about rhododendrons, that's the place to go. Uh, son Peter is uh, now very much uh, operating the Glendoyck Garden Centre. Well now, what are the things to do this week? I feel a bit smug. I got the backyard sorted for the first time in two years. I don't know, stuff keeps arriving. I do my best to uh, get it sorted and tidied, but uh, there never seems to be enough hours in the day. But with the lockdown, I have got a few more hours. And so I really set to on the backyard. Mind you, every time I pick a plant up, they're all in pots, of course, on the paved area, it needs some treatment. I mean, yesterday I picked up uh, Chrysanthemum Maximum uh, and one of the uh, cream doubles. Knocked it out the pot just to check what the root was like. And I could see it was uh, asking to be divided, which I did. And then that one pot ended up as six. And it wasn't just the Chrysanthemum Max either. The next pot <laughs> to be uh, picked up was one of the Lobelia cardinalis, dark-leaved and purple-flowered. I knocked that out to just check the roots, and lo and behold, that very easily split into six. It doesn't take long to increase the population of plants, and some of that surplus, as soon as they get established, and particularly once they've shown a bit of colour, I must march across the road and put them on the Marie Curie sales table. That seems to be going pretty well. Uh, I think it's something like £800 worth of sales made since uh, mid-March. I've got a grape too. Uh, I don't know the cultivar. Uh, Steve Bradley brought me six cuttings. Of course, he's a master propagator. All six of them rooted easily. And one I'm training up on a single trunk, but with four branches coming out in goblet shape. Don't know whether I'll be able to keep it watered well enough to get good bunches of grapes, but it's three years old now and there are some uh, flowers forming, so I have my fingers crossed. 
as I sit here chatting to you, I'm looking across too at several pots of the new Rococo Ranunculus bred by John Fielding. They're very interesting plants. Smaller than um, the Ranunculus that you buy in pre-packs, but far more flowers on the stem and a very good cut flower. When you get into the evening, the open flowers tend to close up, the petals close, and then in the daytime when they open, particularly the pink one, the petals sort of curl in a very interesting shape. The yellow one has a black centre and some dark streaks in the petals. And I think the peach one is uh, my favourite. I think that uh, Hardy's Cottage Garden Plants were going to uh, stage a biggest display of them at Malvern. And of course that show was cancelled. And I see that they cut all the bloom on their pots and gave them away to uh, a local charity. There's been quite a bit of that plant giving away. Two other parcels arrived this week of the new Zero Chrism, a bit like Helichrism, the straw flower, but a new hybrid. We had last year up in the Floral Fantasia area at Hyde Hall, Granvia Gold. It flowered non-stop from June right through to Christmas, and one plant has still got a few flowers on it. Fantastic thing. Well, the breeders have now introduced a second cultivar, Zero Chrism Granvia Pink Flame. And so I'll be potting up half a dozen of those nicely rooted cuttings and be looking forward to seeing what the pink one looks like. I have to mention too, the cut flower Dianthus. I get to like that more and more with passing months bred by Wetmans down in Devon. There are three colours, Bridal Star, which you'll not be surprised here is white, red carpet and pink ruffles. Now young plants will produce uh, spray carnations, I can best describe them, stems with um, multi-flowers, but of course they're pinks, but all nicely fragrant and especially pink ruffles. I picked a bunch this week on plants which had stood outside for nine months. They came as a, quite a big pot plant, flowered non-stop right through the summer and autumn last year and, and haven't really been out of flower. And boy, they're starting to flower now. If you want a really nice fragrant garden plant that flowers for a long time, well then... Uh, Give those a bridal star red carpet and pink ruffles a try. Our guest this week is Fergus Garrett, who's been head gardener at world-famous Great Dixter Garden for over 25 years and is now chief executive officer to Great Dixter Charitable Trust. Fergus trained at Y College lectures extensively around the world and oversees educational activities in East Sussex. For 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yes, welcome to our podcast. How are things down there in Sussex today? Well, it's a beautiful day where the birds are out and I've been out early watering and, you know, the orchids are growing in the meadows and... Uh, oh, don't, don't, it's, yes. It's just, it's just dreamy, really. <laughs> and, and you do take time to appreciate your good fortune working in those surroundings. I mean, when I think of the little arrangement flowering in those Lutyens brick steps and the sunken garden with the backdrop of the wagon sheds, does it register... Your good fortune. It does. You know, and we're so lucky. You think, how lucky am I when you think of those people that are stuck indoors? You know, some are fortunate enough to have a garden. I've got a small garden at home, but some some haven't got a garden or an outdoor space at all. And, and you know, it's like a real tonic having the greenery and, and Mother Nature around you. And the spring is fantastic this year, isn't it? I go up to Hyde Hall on a couple of occasions in the evening, through the lanes with the oak trees, with that lovely young growth. I mean, it's, the countryside is just so beautiful. It's magic, you know, it's so fresh as well. And the, the hawthorn is flowering at the moment, the blackthorn's gone, and the buttercups are in the roadside verges, you know, the cow parsley is everywhere. Yeah. It's a very nice connection with, with Mother Earth, really, you know, having all of that around us. Yeah, but now the shutdown... It couldn't be at a worse time. How on earth do you cope? You know, if the hose kept going through beds and borders, you keep on top of things. But once you've lost your volunteers and your regular staff, how do you cope? I mean, we're down to a skeleton staff, so we've sent most of the people home because we're not open to the public. But we're coming in to do essential work, just keeping the plants in pots alive and keeping the nursery going and so on. It's difficult because we make our income in the spring and the summer and use it up in the winter to keep the staff on and keep the place going and rework the borders. And then you're ready for opening again in April. And of course, we couldn't open. So your major income is gone. And no Nobody likes sending staff home or furloughing because we're one big community, really, and they've all got people to feed at home and, and so on. So it was very, very tough decisions to do that. But we did it first and foremost to keep people safe so that we reduce the numbers on the ground. You know, um, you know, if we put this in perspective, there are people, as you know, and as I know, Peter, we people who have lost members of the family to yeah, this. And yeah. it's tough out there. But, you know, we, ha we have to keep going, keep, I mean, we, d we don't want a place like Dixter to deterioration, of course, we are having to cut corners on certain things. The, moan, the lawns are not being mown. The edges are not being done. We're only doing the essential work of keeping things going, watering the plants that we've got in pots and 
getting on top of the weeds and, and, and so on to sort of batten down the hatches and get through this period. Yeah, normally, how many people would you have working in the garden now? Well, I'd have about seven people plus volunteers and part-timers as well. At the moment, I've just got me and two students and I'm helping out with nursery watering. The students are also helping out with nursery mail order. Most of our active staff that are on the ground are doing mail order either in the shop or in the nursery to, to, to bring in income. We're thinking about, you know, that service and so many people are grateful to receive plants through the post to have them because their garden is is critical to them and, and that activity keeps them going. So it's quite nice to actually think of it as a service as, as well. And there's a sort of, it's, it's a very positive atmosphere down there because they're sending out these little sort of parcels of gems out to people all over the country who may use, make use of them. Now, do you see this being a permanent change in the way of trading? I mean, will you be doing more? We, we've always done a, a bit of mail order. And, um, and because we produce most of our own stock, we have to then switch over to actually production. Otherwise, um, people are just um, doing mail order, mail order, but, but there aren't enough people taking cuttings or growing things from seed and putting those on and so on and on, on that. If, we, if it was a case of us just buying in plants and, and only that, then we could just carry on with with um, with mail order, but uh, we're a, we're a sort of hands-on working nursery in that respect. So we have to balance all of this out. Yeah. Now, one of the great features for me when I arrive at Great Dixter is that beautiful front door and the way that you arrange the flowering pot plants around it. Has that been abandoned short term? No, we, we, we had a glorious tulip display there. Well, it started with, with early daffodils and muscari and those sort of things. And then we went on and changed it over for, for our tulips. And as somebody said, it's nice for great dicksters to still have its makeup on, you know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but at this oh, so, Fergus, I love that. <laughs> great dicksters have its makeup on. Yeah. Yes. And even during these troubled times. But, but um, I, I, used, I, I used a couple of, of students who were working ever so hard in the in the nursery just just packing boxes for mail orders to do, allow them to do this to, as light relief really because they're just in a shed you know every single day um, um, getting these plants packed but what we've done is that we can't then uh, we haven't grown the next lot of plants for our mid-season or late spring display early summer display and we're abandoning that and we'll go on to straight into our summer display so we've split all our canners we've um, potted on dahlias and we'll be taking cuttings from them we've sown some seed of cosmos and marigolds and salvias and those sort of things and potted on some of the cuttings of helichrysum and so on so they're all under under glass in our cold frames and as soon as they're ready we'll start arranging the pots again because who knows when we'll be open i hope i hope it's soon it looks to me from all the messages coming particularly from the nfu and hta that um Sometime this month, the garden centres will open and presumably gardens with retail sections will fall into that category. Yeah, well, I, I hope so, um, because we've been working hard to sort of keep things going. But also we've been thinking hard about how we can 
allow visitors to come into the garden um, and do it in a safe way, you know, having a one-way system and, you know, having the gardeners separated out into a section that they're working away from the public and only allowing a limited number in and, and, and so on and so on and having clear, very clear signage. So I think we could do it, you know, even with the narrow paths that Dixter has got, we could do it. And, and of course... People are desperate to get out, aren't they? They're desperate to to, to feel the breeze on their in their face and and be surrounded by the the beauty of a garden. So it's you know we've got to think about that as well. It, well, it's so you know it's so good for us, isn't it, mentally and physically to be out active in gardens. Yes, and and you can absolutely understand what has gone on and the reason for for um, lockdown and keeping people safe because it's people's lives on the line and it's putting pressure on the emergency services. But if possible, little by little, we've got to try and sort of ease out of this in a safe way, and I fully understand that. And and so everybody's got to take their responsibility seriously in social distancing or keeping a safe distance and so on, and making sure that they don't flout the sort of the the, the laws that are out there. I mean, because you do quite a lot with education, don't you? You take school parties visiting. That's right. We have a, an education officer and a department where we take school parties, but also kids from all the locality to try and introduce them into the, the green world that's that's out there. And well, that's we've had to pull the plug on on that um, because we obviously couldn't do it. And, and as well as that, we have students from all over the world that, that are here that train as apprentices well we've had to stop that as as well and oh, that's a great shame isn't it it, it, it is yeah. it is and and the, the stu- two students that who couldn't go back their work has been just mostly mail order and and weeding related so that sort of high level of education we offer has had to stop i mean they fully understand the situation but it still makes me feel guilty because this is their moment at dixter so i'm trying my best to sort of juggle the work to try and teach them as much as possible and give them sort of extra lectures here and there just just that they don't feel their time is has has been wasted for those people who are coming new to gardening and and there's quite a, a lot of them uh, with the lockdown what would your tips be for them over the next few days or weeks I think don't overcomplicate things. Read up and get information. Don't worry about making mistakes. Sow a few seeds. Just to watch the wonders of of those seedlings germinating. But but try and read up about it so that you're not putting things out too early. But that sort of joy of growing things. It may be flowers. It may be vegetables. In the case of vegetables, the joy of of picking something that you've grown yourself and putting it on the table. Have a go. There's a sense of freedom. And, and what you've got to also realise is that that garden or that pot or that window box is yours. So do it in a way that you enjoy it. Don't feel as though people are looking over your shoulder and judging you on it. You know, um, There's this extraordinary, extraordinary gift that comes from growing things and cultivating stuff. And it, I think it goes right back way back to our sort of primitive instincts of sort of producing food and i think we're so fortunate to be involved in this and have it as part of our career and and there's so many people that are in touch with it and doing it as amateur gardeners out there and and doing exceptionally extraordinarily well but then there are quite a few people out there who are not in touch with it and and so something positive will come out of these these sort of really unfortunate circumstances and that you know you're seeing that 
that more people are being forced, if you like, to garden or to grow. And and they're discovering the, the joyousness of all that. Fergus, I thank you very much for your time. Hope and pray that uh, our gardens will soon be open again to the public. But if I could uh, thank you for all you do, and not just with the garden there, but with your international talks and your education. You're an inspiration to us all. Thank you. Well, you've been an inspiration for so many years, Peter. So thank you for being a part of this industry in all our lives. So thank you very much. Thank you. My tailpiece for this week is a quotation from Charles Dudley Warner. Lettuce is like conversation. It must be fresh and crisp and so sparkling that you scarcely notice the bitter in it. Well, I hope there's no bitterness in your lettuce. Just sow a few seeds every two or three weeks to get a succession. Something I must do now. So goodbye until as Vera Lynn sings, we'll meet again. Actually, it reminds me, uh, I joined Alan Titch and the late Clay Jones, both of whom had good voices, to uh, serenade the lovely Vera on occasion some time ago. I must see if I can dig that uh, tape recording out. Not my finest hour. Our thanks to this week's sponsor, Sutton Seeds of Torquay. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.